Hello and welcome to the Ravens, a Stranger Things podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Dom. And tonight's mystery to solve is season one, episode three, Holly Jolly. So hello and welcome to the Ravens, a Stranger Things podcast, where it is always 10.30 at night, so it's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in, as tonight's episode for debate is Season 1, Episode 3, Holly Jolly Dom. We are here, we are back in the mind pond. How are you, my friend? I'm good, good, angle deep in water, as always. Yeah. That's how I love it. I love wet shoes, wet socks in particular. No, it drives me nuts. But yes, I'm good. How are you, my friend? Excellent. Yeah, I'm good. I'm excited to be back here, really enjoying our focused Stranger Things conversations. And with that being said, let's roll straight in. I believe you have a synopsis for us of the episode. I do. Oh, we did a synopsis last week. I think that was a hit. We're going to do another one this week. It's longer than last week's one, so please bear with me. <laughs> I will do my best to read through this as clearly and concisely as possible. I, I love the synopsis. It's, 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 they can go on for as long as they need to. I think it's great. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. And listeners, are you ready? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here we go. So, uh, Holly Jolly, as you said... Uh, Barb finds herself in the empty pool at Steve's house. Everything is dark and covered in vines. She calls for Nancy and sees a monster in the pool. She tries to escape, but the monster catches hold of her. Meanwhile, Steve and Nancy are making out on Steve's bed. It's quite different from where Barb is, and there is water in the pool. Barb's voice can be heard, echoing distantly, but she cannot be seen. Steve and Nancy make love as Barb is taken by the monster, screaming for help. (laughs) That's the first what, bit. What yeah. a juxtaposition, you could say. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there was imagery in the, <laughs> the fist, the fists holding and the, the clenching of the... Yeah, okay, we'll move on from that quickly. <laughs> Joyce is talking to Will through the lamps. <laughs> Jonathan tells her that the lights flickering is due to faulty electricity, but Joyce is convinced that Will is there. Mike, Dustin and Lucas prepare to rescue Will. Dustin tells the others that Eleven is the best weapon they have because of her telekinetic powers. He asks her to make a toy Millennium Falcon fly, but she does nothing. Mike asks Eleven to meet them after school and gives her his watch. Later, while alone, Eleven is making the Falcon fly with her mind. She wanders around the house and turns on the television. This causes her to have a flashback to Hawkins' lab, where she crushes a soda can, I say Coke can, uh, with her mind (laughs) as Dr. Brenner and the others observe her her nose bleeds as it always does when she uses her powers brenna is pleased 11 seems upset joyce takes out her christmas card christmas cards christmas lights and puts them up um, but realizes she doesn't have enough to and and buys more at the store where she works her boss is confused but she tells him just to ring her up there's no messing about this time at the shop and explaining it's just like just put it through yeah Hopper investigates at Hawkins' lab, where an an official tells him that Will could not have gotten in there. Hopper asks to see the security cameras, and it's shown footage of the night Will escaped. Hopper realises that the officials are lying to him because it rained the night, and there is no rain on the video. That's what we mentioned last week. Mm -hmm. Nancy sees that Barb is not at school, and asks Steve, Tommy, and Carol 
the names we couldn't remember, <laughs> if they saw, saw her after the party at Steve's house. No one has seen her. While looking for rocks for their slingshots, the boys encounter Troy and James, who tease them about Will, and trip Mike, who scrapes his chin. Karen Wheeler shows up at Joyce's house with a casserole as Joyce is finishing putting up the Christmas lights. Karen is visibly confused by all the lights and Joyce tells her that she's putting up because Will loves Christmas. As the two women talk, Karen's young daughter, Holly, sees the lights blinking and follows them. She sees a hand start to come through the wall, but Joyce discovers her and asks Karen and Holly to leave. Hopper looks up Hawkins Lab at the library and finds articles about a woman who sued Brenner for kidnapping her daughter. Hopper starts to think that maybe Brenner is involved with Will's disappearance. Jonathan develops the photos he took at Steve's party in the school's darkroom. Again, mentioned the creepiness of that last week. Yeah. A girl named Nicole uh, sees the photo of Nancy. Nancy calls Barb's house and learns that Barb did not go home the night before and that her mother hasn't seen her. Steve, Tommy, Carol and Nicole confront Jonathan about spying on them the previous night. Mm. They take his bag and tear up the photos. Nancy arrives and Steve takes and smashes Jonathan's camera. Nancy is visibly upset. She gathers the torn pieces of photos. While waiting for the boys at the power lines, Eleven sees a cat causing her to have a flashback to Hawkins' lab. Brenna and the other scientists seem to want her to do something to the cat, but she refuses, clearly upset. As punishment, they take Eleven into a cell as she kicks and screams for Papa, her name for for Brenna. Before they can lock her in, she forces the door open with her mind and kills the two men. Brenna sees this and seems intrigued, but not horrified. Eleven collapses and Brenna carries her away. Back in the present, the boys meet up with Eleven. She asks about what happened to Mike's chin and he tells her about the boys who tease him, calling calling them mouth breathers. Hmm. Nancy goes back to Steve's house and finds Barb's car is still there. She looks for Barb around the house and in the woods where she sees the monster that took Barb. Joy sees the Christmas lights illuminating along the wire, going in one direction. They lead to a crawl space where Joyce is able to talk to Will with a triangle of lights. Triangle of lights? Interesting. Uh... (laughs) She asks him to <laughs> she asks him to blink once for yes and two twice for no. Uh, she asks if he is alive and the lights blink once. She asks if he is safe and the lights blink twice. She uh, paints the alphabet on the wall, taking a light to each letter so that she can commonly communicate with her, uh, so that he can communicate with her. Uh, she asks him where he is and the lights spell spell out right here. Next, they spell out run. The monster comes through the wall as Joyce runs in terror. Thinking that Eleven can help them find Will, they ask, her to, they ask her to lead them to him. She takes them to his house. Lucas gets upset. As they argue, sirens can be heard. They bike to the quarry where they see police drag a body out of the water. Mike yells at Eleven for having deceived them about Will being alive and storms off. Great synopsis. How long, did it, long, take, how long did it take you to write that? <laughs> hours hours and hours and oh hours. it's meticulous it's meticulous <laughs> yeah, it's really good well well read well read wow well where where do we where do we begin there's so many points there that i want to talk about i mean firstly the mouth breathing maybe we can start there <laughs> <sighs> i mean that is pretty horrible isn't it 
But at the same time, I've heard pretty loud nose breathers before. Like I have a friend that's particularly loud at breathing through his nose and his or her nose and it's him it's definitely him and there was a time where i was in the cinema like it was like a group of us this is like years ago and uh, this is where i noticed it because i was sat next to him i had you know f my wife on the other side and uh, i was just like oh that's a loud breathing that's through your nose and it's so fast like i was like you're breathing too heavily I almost felt to be like you need the doctor's appointment like so <laughs> I don't know. How do you how do you feel? Do you feel could you be offended by mouth breathing? Oh, I I have been in exactly the same situation as you where uh I was at the cinema with a friend of mine when I was at university and all I could hear was <laughs> for the whole film and I was like mate are you having an asthma attack or something? And he was like no, I'm fine. I was like you're not fine that's just a horrible mess coming from you did you actually you actually brought it up i brought it up i was offended by the noise he was making and how did that go it went fine he stopped making it (laughs) because i also think if someone's breathing through their mouth it automatically implies that they have bad breath because you're breathing through the mouth therefore your mouth's probably dry but you're also you're taking in all of that bacteria you know you know like if you've you wake up in the morning from a night's sleep generally we all have we have morning breath it's it has a Mm. name it's it's not good um you get to the bathroom you brush that shit out literally um but (laughs) so yeah i mean okay good so mouth breather is a sufficient insult yes i definitely think so i think it implies that they're a bit dumb as well right there's a sense of stupidity about them there's not enough cognitive abilities to you know decipher actually breathing through your nose exactly that's what that's what mike's going for there with the mouth breather is that the first time we hear mouth breather as well i think so because it's continually referenced throughout the rest of the show a a Mm. couple a couple things that i just need to reference or say just so so i don't forget them at the beginning, and the show does this so well, um, so often, is it tells you what it's going to do without you knowing that it's telling you what it's going to do. And as we've always say, we're we're not spoiler free. The opposite of spoiler free. We're spoilerific, if you will. And Lucas says about he's trying to you know find rocks to put in his slingshot, and they're like, you're going to you know attack Gordon, as we call Gordon, uh, with the slingshot. And that's how the season ends, doesn't it? He fires it and Gordon gets slammed against the wall and you think it's because he's somehow magically done it, but actually Eleven's behind him and has done it. But it's great that they layer this stuff in so early on and then that pays off in, like, what, five or six episodes' time. Yeah, what what I really enjoyed about this um, episode that is then, like, paid forward in the future is when he's going binoculars from vietnam mm-hmm. knife from vietnam and then his he doesn't call it a slingshot he calls it a yeah he doesn't call arm, it like some arm rocket or something like that. i can't remember what he called it now yeah something but, like that 
it it just reminded me of when they're at the army surplus in season four and they're gathering weapons and stuff and obviously dustin at that point is like i got this snack and this snack (laughs) and so like just so many like different bits of food for like stamina and energy but it just reminded me of that episode that okay that again they've had to go and collect weapons and put things together and yeah it's it's good that they do things like that i think it's it's important that these things sort of continue and carry on it's like it's almost becoming a tradition (laughs) yeah it's it's great writing and uh also we're getting i like the way that they're telling us the backstory of uh, 11 in in hawkins lab and papa or you know dr brenner as as we know him to be now and how they're like we're like now watching it with what's the word on a repeat viewing we can see oh well that's the gate we know that that there in the wall is the gate that's been opened because gordon has come out you know that's the gate gordon came out of and um so it makes more sense but on a first time viewing you're like what the fuck is happening you know you just know that crazy shit's happening and i saw an interview with the guy that plays dr brenner this was like recently as part of like the press run for season four and obviously we know that he meets his demise in at the end of season four but he was saying that you know Dr. Brenner's character is kind of in question and perhaps we might even learn more about him and his backstory and origin more in season five, potentially in flashbacks or whatever. But he was saying that the, the bit with the cat that he thinks that um, Brenner was testing Eleven to see if she would use her powers for evil and that actually they, Brenner wouldn't have wanted her to have killed the cat and was happy that she didn't and it was like a test of morality and when watching it with those with that um information it kind of slants it a little bit for me i don't know what what do you think on that because that's just his opinion he didn't write it obviously what do you think or do you think breno would have preferred her to have killed the cat and maybe it's more like weaponizing her uh uh, there's definitely two trains of thought there. I hadn't really considered the that his version, like the actor that that plays him, because I see it as she's there to like punish the cat in some way, or control the cat, or do something to the cat that she doesn't do, and then she's thrown into the cupboard as punishment, and then it's okay, she then takes control and kills the two guys at the door. You know, one gets smashed into the wall, and one she just flicks her head slightly and his neck is snapped it's gone that's <laughs> it um and he sort of comes and collects her as we as i mentioned in the synopsis and it doesn't then like shut the door and lock her away he carries her back to her room or whatever to for her to be looked after so i find it sort of difficult to believe that he wanted her to not do something to the cat when she's under so much pressure to do something to the cat. However, I've, uh, you know, I think that's actually a really, really like interesting point, an interesting point of view. Like, has she got enough self-control to kind of say no to a big group of adults? And then if we punish her, what's, what's the outcome going to be? And actually the outcome of that was worse than had she killed the cat, I reckon. Right, yeah, it's interesting. No, no offence to cats or cat lovers, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, no cats were harmed in the making of Stranger Things, it's fine. No, but those two blokes got killed. <laughs> yeah, and and that and Coke can, a few Coke cans. It was cool seeing the old, like, Coca-Cola advert as well, and I think Coke must pay for a lot of product placement in Stranger Things because it's 
featured heavily throughout the whole show, isn't it? All the time. It's always on TVs or something like that, or they talk about it a lot. And like, there's there's an episode where like Lucas talks about original Coke. He's like literally holding it to the screen. Yeah, "Mm." just yeah. It's just it's like a perfect advert that they've thrown in. (laughs) It's like that bit in Wayne's World where they've got the Pepsi, and it's like, "Mm, the taste of a new generation. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's amazing. Well. Uh, where where who do you, who do you want to talk about? I mean, we could we could get into the Barb of it all. We start with Barb. So should we go go Barb quickly? Because I mean, we kind of touched on it last week that she's dead. She's a goner. She's in the upside down. She's in a strange place. She's unfamiliar. She wakes up covered in all sorts of goo. Tries to climb out of the pool. Nancy's doing things that she's probably not done before covered in know. all kinds of goo trying to- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and then she gets eaten by a demogorgon mm, gordon the gordon gordy gordy <laughs> um and gordy is um being treated like uh jewels like a shark in that he's drawn to blood right if well it might not be a he we're we've just assumed his gender he or she uh are drawn to blood and that's because like we said in last week's episode bob is uh bleeding from her hand yeah i mean I'm, i know that later on we see the when she's walking with jonathan nancy i mean through through the woods and the the deer hmm. and the the attraction to sort of the the blood there and it's just like chomping on it isn't it so yeah um it's i just feel so sorry for bob she just was sitting alone quite happy well she wasn't happy but happy being alive at least mm-hmm. and then what what i really don't get about this whole thing is is nancy at the end of her evening with steve and she decides to go home at some ungodly hour is Despite Will, not Will, um, yeah, sorry, despite Will disappearing and all the weird stuff that's happening, she doesn't think to go, like, and check Barb's car, like, where it is, because she would have noticed it was still there, then and there. But also, she walks home on her own, knowing all this weird stuff has happened in Hawkins and still seems to do that. That's kind of the classic, like, oh, it won't happen to me, though you know yeah but yeah no you're right i mean but she's also preoccupied in her mind because nancy as she's going through this episode i mean i think for the majority of it we're led to feel that she feels a bit of shame for what she's done or feel or is unsure whether she has you know gone over that milestone with the right person and whether steve is actually she's still unsure of what his intentions are or whether she's been used yeah there's this question mark as to whether she's another like notch on the bedpost you know i think steve has a has got quite a big reputation and now she's yeah a bit ashamed embarrassed she thinks everybody's looking at her and judging her for it um kind of has she just become another one of steve's conquests uh and i guess that's her concern i I think it's fairly valid but he's 
this is where Steve kind of starts to grow on you, although he's a bit of a dickhead with the breaking Jonathan's camera and tearing up the pictures. I think there's a, there's justification in that because they're weird pictures at a weird <laughs> time. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's hard for Jonathan to explain. He's not going to be able to, um, so you can kind of understand that, but it, it's in this episode that we start to kind of appreciate Steve a little bit more, I think. Um, and, and his sensibilities or like from here anyway, like going forward it's he's like a much more likable character um and person in general so and yeah well said and there's delicate touches that joe keary puts in or they might have been scripted we we don't know but there's the way that the character is handled in that when he's talking to nancy at her locker as he's walking off he sees like little butterfly stickers on the inside of her locker and he sort of points at them and smiles at her like like little sweet moments or when uh they make uh what were their names the douchebag friends god <laughs> Tom Hold. Tom and someone them I've already forgotten and I just read them out hold on I'll tell you he's going to tell us I will tell you he's determined to tell us there are people that are like screaming them at their headphones right now good keep screaming them because i still haven't found it <laughs> <laughs> they're just walking around supermarkets screaming to other people it looks like they're just screaming at blocks of cheese if you're in the cheese aisle right now listening to this please message in because that is that would be ridiculous yep tommy and carol oh it was tom okay yeah. tommy <laughs> and carol well when they're sort of making fun with the whole oh steve and all of that sort of stuff you can see that he is kind of smiling, like finding it funny because I guess it's boosting his ego from a, you know, like a teenage adolescent perspective. But he's like, no, come on guys, answer the question, you know, stop being dicks. Like where were, you know, like he, uh, you can tell he cares for Nancy and he's treating her as well as he is capable of doing in his adolescent teenage brain, I think. Yeah, I, I think this is, you know, his opportunity to kind of prove that she's not just another girl and she's actually quite important to him. Mm. And I, I, and it, that's something that carries forward throughout as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about well, the camera smashing. I, again, it, it, I always imagine these scenarios like in real life how people would treat someone else if they're on their own like i get that the pictures are creepy and whatever but imagine you took everyone else away and it was just jonathan and steve like you know if you have like a confrontation with someone you can never do it when other people are around and people always act differently when you just have them on your own where it's just like a level playing field or mm. do you think steve would have still treated jonathan that way if there was no audience I think he was showing off to Tommy Carroll and yeah. does he Nicole, like you said. So he's he's kind of playing up to that crowd, mm. yeah. being the big man because you know he's the the king of Hawkins, right? King of mm -hmm. Hawkins High. So he kind of needs to sort of keep that reputation at least going. And there is a creepiness to the pictures. It is weird. So you know, fine. But I think 
had he just sort of taken the film out the back of it so it ruined whatever pictures he had on this next role of film that would have been almost as impactful as destroying the camera yeah and um, they must have uh added that sound effect in but the sound of the lens smashing on the floor is like heartbreaking yeah well, it's just jonathan in pieces isn't it <laughs> there you go metaphorically and literally <laughs> well, I thought Jonathan or Charlie Heaton uh, and Winona Ryder's scenes, particularly, you know, towards like the beginning of the episode were really good. Like the way that his, the disbelief of like, come on, mum, please, you can't be like this when he just thinks that she is crazy. Like his voice inflections and the way that he portrays it, I thought was um, really special. Yeah. I mean, I mean he, had, he did a fantastic job and uh, he playing opposite, Winona Ryder, who we've said on a number of occasions, um, sort of performs this kind of manic sort of craziness so well. And he's having to to perform and kind of um, handle that as, as her opposite number in this scene, in, in all their scenes together. And be the voice of reason to her, you know, kind of growing insanity. Um, in that her absolute belief that something is going on, that Will is still alive, that he's communicating through the lights. And it is completely unbelievable. And Jonathan has to be that voice of reason and, and almost be the parent and say, it's not real. You need sleep. Go to sleep or I'll go and make breakfast. You know, let's just, you've got to sort yourself out and you've got to promise me that that's going to happen. And she kind of has to sort of concede and say, yes, because like the flicker of light. And she's like, look, 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 it's like, it's just the electrics. And he's kind of, reasoning with everything and has to has to you know put it to bed before it becomes a real problem mm-hmm. um and he's not as successful as he hopes <laughs> but you know for good reason yeah yeah exactly because she actually is right um <laughs> and if if we move over to to mike and the, the bullying and he catches the uh the rock to the face which is again the sound effect on that is horrible um mm. and we know that eventually those bullies get their comeuppance i think it's not until like maybe oh no they there's the incident over the water isn't there and then i think one of them gets made to wet themselves in season two or three two maybe yeah in front of the whole school is like frozen isn't he and then and then yeah he lets pisses it, his pants he lets it fly yeah um <laughs> but this is um this is an odd thing to say but this uh endears us to the characters more like we feel for them and we've all been in them situations where you know felt uh vulnerable or picked on and it just allows you to further invest and get behind them like rallying behind them on their sort of little scooby-doo missions that are the best yeah and i mean it's in these moments as well that there's another reference to will's sexuality funny enough oh i don't maybe i didn't catch it oh what you mean them just be the bullies being but the bully horrific the the bullies yeah because one of them and i'm quoting so you know don't think this is me saying it anyone but one of the bullies says um like because they're like look it's Dustin is saying this is serious you know we're trying to find our friend Will and he's like there's no point in you trying to find him he's dead and then one of them says "Uh, my dad thinks he was taken off by another queer Mm -hmm. Um, 
So yeah, horrible line, but I think it's another reference to Will's kind of, you know, potential sexuality or future sexuality in the show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, the the scenes between Nancy and her mom are really good. I think the mum doesn't uh well she does get a lot of shine. She gets more screen time, particularly in season three. Uh, uh they're really well acted. You when she when Nancy comes home and you know, she's just just talk to me, I'm here, you know. Um Yeah, would you I, I always I always find characters like the mum, is it Karen? Yeah, I think so. I always find I always find characters like her really difficult because they have this overbearing mother tone, and it's just like a bit too much. And everything's about keeping up appearances, and she's very much like that. And her husband isn't really uh, um, isn't very useful. You know, we see that he just wants to sit on the sofa and watch TV and watch the news or fall asleep in front of it. Um, he's not very, you know, present present yeah he's just just not there is he just he's there physically but mentally he's just kind of checked out um and it's almost like she's trophy wife and she's again like i said trying to keep up appearances keep this you know vision of a perfect household going uh and this is the first real moment where we see that she's got a bit of personality and she's got a bit of understanding with her daughter and it's not just bossing the kids around and saying right you've got to do this you've got to do that now and this this is what people do and this is how to be proper it's like okay I, I remember being a teenager you're coming in at a stupid time you've got a strange boy's top on <laughs> you can tell me you know you can tell me what's happened if you want to if you want to talk about it and she's just like no nothing happened we were just out I'm gonna go to bed and it's like okay but it's the the first kind of moment of like warming to her as well and then you see the same from when she goes to see Joyce and she takes her the casserole and she's like you know if you need anything you can ask me and and she opens up and it's like these one-to-one situations where she's great but when there's a group she's like strict as anything like this is how we need to be and um yeah behave yourselves kind of thing it's important to be a dutiful you know daughter and a dutiful son and you know their other daughter as well um yeah well, what do you think of her yeah no i i agree good good points i think she's good i think um i think it's also playing a good 80s mum. you know yeah where i feel like the stereotype here is that the mums were grooming the daughters to be them you know and uh where some of these things were more frowned upon you know like uh staying out late and and these kind of things so yeah well well i guess the adults are children of the 60s right if, uh, if yeah. we're saying they're well i was saying it maybe so they would have been kids during the 60s yeah like heading into early teen kind of age so mm-hmm. um it makes sense doesn't it if that's the upbringing that they've had um and sort of conforming to what your parents say and you know the I guess what's considered the social norms is what they expect. And actually in the eighties, it's very different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The eighties is the, the era where, you know, the rebellion is happening. <laughs> um, about Hopper, should we talk a bit about him? So obviously you mentioned a lot of his storyline is about going to the lab and being suspicious. Uh, it's good to see him, it, this is the episode where we're starting to see that 
he's more than what he lets on to be like he's got a lot more going on you know under the helmet so to speak yeah we see a bit more of that caring side you know he he's worried um for joyce a lot more in this episode like worried about her like behavior but then also worried that will might have ended up in hawkins lab and needs to um uh, and may potentially be stuck in there somewhere and needs, you know, rescuing or saving. And uh, it's also at this moment where we see more of the personal touches with different people. It's Patrick, the guy that uh, is at the gate of yeah. Hawkins' lab, and he's chatting to him just like, hey, you got? we're here for the tour. And it's like, come on, let us in. I've got a, a mom at home who's terrified, worried about a kid missing, and they're in here somewhere, you know. And he talks his way in and around to these people and it's just like just put me in touch with whoever i need to speak to to get through this gate and it works and he has a couple of moments like that as well you know when he goes to the library and she's like harper you didn't you know you didn't call me son of a bitch sort of thing she's like really blaming him because they've gone out they've had some fun and he's just <laughs> he's just not bothered is he he's just just kind of left it there because i guess he was being a grumpy cynical old man um but he's like look I'm really sorry. I'll take you out next week, but I need help right now. So where's all your newspapers and your like microfilm? And, um, okay, you look at this paper and we'll look at this one. And he puts her to work as well, which I thought was hilarious. And then, you know, he's getting deeper into this investigation and now starts to think that kind of Dr. Brenner or at least Hawkins lab is responsible for Will's disappearance, which kind of inadvertently they are. But, um, yeah, he's, he's, like I think I said this before, he's putting two and two together and he's making eight. He's not quite at the right number, but he's he's figuring stuff out. Um, and it's good. It's enjoyable to watch and, and work his and see his workings out as well and how he, you know, gets to a solution of something. Yeah, for sure. Well put. Well, should we should we head into judgment land? Let's do it. Well, firstly, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and what Don? How could you not? Then please check us out ravenshoops.net. Why Dom? Because 80s style basketballs go through hoops. But they also go through nets. Ravenshoops.net. Also, if you want to help us out you did without, you know, paying any money at all, you can do so for free by leaving us a review writing a couple uh, words there we really appreciate that and it helps us to be exposed to more listeners that hopefully will uh, also enjoy the content so we appreciate that and thank you for listening dom who's your favorite performer of this episode um i'm actually gonna say who am i gonna say i'm actually gonna say millie bobby brown for this episode i think her ability to cry and just act in fear and then this immediate switch to no you're not locking me in this cupboard and i'm gonna kill you is fantastic and then yeah so she going back to what we said before again she just has this incredible ability to be able to perform and really convey what she's trying to say without words and i think really good in this episode in particular uh and the interactions with the boys as well i'm kind of being treated uh a bit unfairly by lucas um, <laughs> but also being treated you know quite nicely by mike so yeah mbb you 
good old Lucas. She's not a superhero. She's a weirdo. As soon as I heard that, I was like, Dom, chill out. <laughs> uh, mine's going to be Charlie Heaton for Jonathan for his uh, interactions with uh, Joyce Winona at the beginning. I, I thought it was, it was really good. It feels more cinematic. Like When you're watching Stranger Things, it doesn't feel like a TV show. It has that quality of a movie. And that's not to do with the budget, you know. That's just to do with the way it feels, the shot of it, the way it's shot. I just and the performances. I think mean, it's great. Mm-hmm. What about your favourite character? Uh, without a doubt, Lucas. Um, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much the reason and the sentiment behind it as well. But yeah, Lucas is just like so. Like we need to find Will. What's the we, you know mucking about with this weirdo let's just get on with it she doesn't she closed a door that might be the sum of all her powers you know let's just crack on come on so yeah it's definitely lucas for me mm-hmm. what about uh your favorite character you chose yourself yeah okay um, yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna go with hopper i think because i really like the line as well when he's just like they're lying about something you know mm. where he's like figuring out like you said last week with the rain and everything it's just like a great moment of okay he there's more going on than with him than than we had thought, you know. What about your favorite background performer, one line or less? Um, can I pick a cat? Can I pick one of the cats? Sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the cat in the cage <laughs> that survived. Um, the it was a white, quite a white fluffy cat, I think. So I'm gonna go with that. The cat was the winner for me. What about yours? I'm going to go with the guy that got slammed into the wall by 11. And I'm hoping that he's got some injuries, but he's going to pull through. I think they're both dead. He went pretty deep into that wall. I'm going to need some more positivity from you, Dom. (laughs) An attitude like that is not going to help anybody with internal bleeding. Okay. (laughs) He might be okay. I doubt it. (laughs) bloody lucas uh about your favorite line of the episode okay so i'm going to do the setup and then i'm going to do the favorite line so this is the setup by dustin so do you think 11 was born with her superpowers like the x-men or do you think she acquired them like the green lantern and lucas says (laughs) she's not a superhero she's a weirdo (laughs) now that would be you in real life if before weirdo you put fucking (laughs) because <laughs> that's how you would say it now say that line back how you would say it oh she's not a superhero she's a fucking weirdo <laughs> <laughs> there you go excellent i'm gonna go and... with the line about uh you know the knife also from vietnam i thought that i found that quite funny for some reason i just Fair liked enough. it all right dom did not approve of that line choice i could no, say no no, no a... you didn't approve it's a good one it's fine favorite song uh waiting for a girl like you uh by foreigner the song right at the beginning yeah that's where we're seeing the juxtaposition of bob and nancy yeah that was my favorite one as well good good (laughs) good song okay and then last but not least is the precious what precious rating don did you have a number in mind before we started this conversation Yes. And did it increase, decrease, or stay the same? I think it stayed the same, my friend. Did you have numbers and numbers stay the same? Of course they did. We'll say <laughs> them say it after three. Yeah. One, two, three, nine. Eight. Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. 
Hmm. Wanna what go? do I do in this situation? Wanna go do, do we an, have to match? Do you want to go to a nine? Oh, well, yeah, of course. That's our format. we got to work it out. Um, I'll go to a nine. Great. Easy. I thought you would. I think I'll go to a nine. Yeah, I'd be quite happy to go to a nine. Then we'll call this one a nine. Dom, <laughs> in Lucas fashion, will you count us back from three? Absolutely. You fucking weirdo. <laughs> Three. Yep. Two. Uh-huh. One. Yep. The fucking Ravens. Ravens. <laughs> <laughs>